Today I want to direct your attention though to the book of Acts, which we have read at least part of the text already this morning, the first uh, six verses of Acts chapter 9. But I'd like to read the rest of the passage for you. It's actually a total of 20 verses, and I just didn't want to make you stand for all 20 verses. So on page, I believe it is 1100 of your pew Bible, or it's Acts chapter 9, verse 6, for those of you that may write your own Bibles. We'll begin reading with verse 6. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. I've heard many reports of this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, whom appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, Something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Well, this certainly for the Apostle Paul was an amazing encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. It's what might be referred to as a defining moment in Paul's life. The Bible is just full of stories like this, both Old and New Testament, of defining moments in people's lives. There was Moses in the burning bush, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, Daniel in the lion's den, Peter walking out on the water, and of course Paul on the road to Damascus, just to name a few defining moments. And I think all of us 
can point to moments in our lives, to turning points in our lives as well, as maybe in not only defining moments, but sometimes even amazing encounters. Uh, for some uh, in the Methodist Church or the Lutheran Church, it might be confirmation, might be a turning point when you become fully members of the church. For others, it's their marriage. For some, it might be their career or parenthood. What an amazing encounter it is when you first hold your first grandbaby. I now have 11 of them. I just got to see nine of them, and later this week I'm going to California to see the other two. Those are amazing encounters. We're all kind of traveling down this road together, and we're normally in one of three stages. We've either not yet come to those defining moments in our lives, or maybe we've come to one, but there's still more to come, or we've had those moments and, and now we're living out our lives as a result of that. There are even some of us that feel that we might be nearing completion of that journey on the road. But on this road, we all encounter a number of things. One thing hopefully we all encounter is some awareness our scripture reading today said, as he was approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, struck him to the ground. It was an awareness that he had never come upon before. Now who was this man, Saul of Tarsus? Well, he was a devout Jew, he was a leader, he was bent on wiping out this sect of his religion, the way or Christianity as it later became known as. He had been responsible for the stoning and death of Stephen and the arrest of many believers in Jerusalem and now was on his way to Damascus to accomplish the same thing. And so the religion that he was in was sharply divided. Well, we live in a world of sharp division, not only in religion, but in the world itself. Many say that today we're living in a divided country, but it's always been like that. And unfortunately, like Saul, Many of us are convinced that we have the answer, we are right, and we are bent on confrontation with everyone else who differs from us. It's always been that way, and, and it's so difficult sometimes to hear the voice of God for all the clamor and all the bickering and all the chaos around us. But on this journey, we have to have awareness and awareness begins somehow with God getting our attention. Even if he has to knock us off our donkey on another part of our anatomy and flash a light at us. Some of us are slow and some of us need that kind of awakening and awareness. As Saul was lying there on the ground, a voice said, Saul, Saul, why 
are you persecuting me? Now, it's interesting that he said that. And Saul said, well, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, who you are persecuting. And what's amazing to me is that Jesus didn't say, why are you persecuting my followers? Why are you persecuting the way? He said, why are you persecuting me? He took it personally for his followers, his church, all around the world are the embodiment of Christ on this earth. They are the body of Christ. And to persecute them is to persecute Jesus himself. Saul's world was turned upside down because of this. You know, sometimes it's hard for us to relate to persecuting uh, believers. Obviously, you're not here to persecute one another today. But when I work with folks, and, and I, I use another term rather than persecution, there's a lot of people that are oppressed, a lot of people that are abused around me and the kind of work that I do. And the cruelest of all the abuses and persecution that I see is that of neglect. Some people would love to have the attention of just a beating. At least they would know that there, someone is paying attention. And I think that all of us can confess at times that we have neglected Jesus, we have neglected the way, and I believe that Jesus takes that personally as well. Saul's world turned upside down. Saul had to be blinded by the light before he could be cured and before he could see an awareness. We also, on the road, encounter risk and danger. And it wasn't just Paul who was encountering this, or Saul. It was Ananias, a believer in Damascus, who was told to go to the house where Saul was, to lay hands on him, that his sight would be restored. And Ananias said, Lord, now wait a minute. This is too dangerous. I heard a lot of things about him, how he's persecuted and imprisoned your followers in Jerusalem, has come here to do the same thing. There is some danger involved, but yet he was commanded to go lay hands on his enemy. Now, probably all of us here at some time or other have fantasized about laying our hands on our enemy. But normally it's around their neck. But here, Saul is asked to go lay hands on the enemy, to look more deeply into his enemy, not to see him as a threat, but to see his insecurity, to see his blindness, to see his helplessness. And so Ananias goes and lays hands on his enemy because Jesus told him in the vision, go, for this Saul is an instrument that I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. Saul had a purpose. 
Ananias had a purpose in going there. And that's maybe the greatest thing that we encounter on this road is our purpose. And I believe that every single human being on the face of the earth is born with purpose, with meaning. However, we're also born with the choice of what we do with that purpose. We can turn our back on that purpose. We can go down another path. And as a result, we look around the world and we see unrealized potential. Dreams never realized, books never written, songs never sung, ideas never shared, paintings never painted, inventions never inventions, and goals never reached. If God could just open our eyes to see the dormant abilities, the reserved power, the untapped strength, the hidden talents, not only within ourselves, but in those around us, and yes, even in our enemies. On the road, if we, if we endure the journey, we may encounter a new identity and a new fellowship a new group to be a part of, a family. As Ananias laid hands on Saul of Tarsus, he addressed him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. In just that moment, he was transformed from the enemy to the brother, Brother Saul. He was part of a new family. The men and women that he would destroy now are brothers and sisters. In our divided world, we must look more deeply into those who we feel oppose us, look deeply enough to understand their pain, their insecurity. Just like us, they are helpless and in need of one another. Saul eventually becomes Paul. And I underscore the word eventually. You see, he wasn't called Paul as a result of his in encounter with Jesus. It was, he was a work in progress. He remained Saul of Tarsus in the book of Acts until about midway through, where almost without notice, he is now called Saul, who was also called Paul. And why was that? Because he had a special calling. Saul was his Hebrew name. But Paul, or Paulus, was his Latin name, his Roman name. And he became the greatest missionary in the early church. This morning we are here beginning a new year. And we have a great opportunity in the sacrament of Holy Communion to have an encounter 
a real encounter with the risen Christ. And as we observe these elements before us here today of communion, for us, these are more than a symbol, that they represent an opportunity for us to have a real and amazing encounter with and within the body of Christ. All are welcome to this table who profess Jesus as Savior. You don't have to be a member of this church. All you have to do is want to have that encounter. And so as you come this morning, I would ask you to embrace the awareness of Jesus being present here, not only in this church, but in this holy sacrament. That you would take the risk of responding to the awareness that this encounter brings to your heart and to affirm our purpose and identity as part of the body of Christ. Would you join me in the prayer of confession? Let us pray in unison. Merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. Because of the grace you have shown through your Son, Jesus, have mercy on us and forgive us. Give us the grace to delight in your will and walk in your way. And now for the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. 